0: Good to have you here, Jason. Thank you, Vince. Nice to be here. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I should set the stage for, yeah, sure. for our listeners mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> or our friends. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so I'm here with Jason Snyder. He's a um, podcast host, and uh, that doesn't capture all of what you do, but we'll get into mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, but, but I did want to mention your podcast, Both And, that mm-hmm. you and your um, partner, Jared, mm-hmm. uh, put on together. It's an yeah. awesome podcast. Thank you. And um
1: Which you've been on by the way. Yeah. yeah. Well that you know, why do you <laughs> <laughs> I, thought was, I thought it was a great conversation. So <laughs> check out, check it out.
0: Yeah, and um we're sitting right now in my office uh here outside of Asheville. You mm. drove up from Boone, North Carolina yes. earlier today. Mm-hmm. And we're doing this in person. So this is yeah. uh, quite a treat for me. Yeah.
1: And yeah. This is my first time in an in person podcast. Yeah. I've always done it remotely, and so yeah. this is a different experience for me. How, how is it so far? <laughs> it's okay so far. I'm a little jealous that you have the nice view of, like, the beautiful... Oh, do you want to switch around? <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> uh, but there's, there's some beautiful mountains in the background. And I'm I'm seated away from it, but that's okay. I'm, I'm just I'm just imagining, you know. I'm just imagining what you're seeing. You know, it
0: makes okay, me happy. Great. You know? Well, if you if you want to move halfway through, we can do uh, yeah. we can do rotating chairs. Maybe half. Maybe Yeah. Maybe. We'll take a break and uh, there, there we go. Get there the we view. Go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, let's see. How did I get? I, I got in touch with you. I think we had a mutual friend in Mike Redmer. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I I maybe I'd seen you tweeting. Pre- yeah. Previous to that, but I think, yeah, yeah, I think I had. I'd seen you on Twitter yeah. and you were tweeting some interesting stuff. Mm. And then our, uh, I had an old friend from Boulder who I guess moved to Michigan and you, mm. where you were at the time. Yeah. And you all got connected.
1: Yeah. So, well, well I'll just, I mean, I'll say up say front, I've, I've known about you much mm. longer than you've known about me. So, I've, I've, I, you know, I think about six or seven years ago, I kind of got into the pragmatic Dharma scene remotely. Yeah, um, I was isolated, just doing kind of my own practice. But yeah. started reading, you know, all of the canon, you know, Daniel Ingram and uh, Shinzen Young, and uh-huh. uh, started listening to Buddhist geeks. Oh, and, cool. uh, So I was, I've been a fan for a while, uh, and yeah, Mike. Uh, once I was on, I I, fo- I started following you, and. I think I had like tweeted out uh, an episode between you and Michael Taft mm. on the Deconstructing Yourself podcast, and mm. I think after that you started following me. and I was like, yes. Yeah, yeah. If you want me to follow you on Twitter, just you know <laughs> promote my work. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, it's a th- it's the type of thing where it's like someone will interact. You know, you know this on Twitter. Where it's like someone yeah. will interact with you, and it's like, oh, who's this person? Yeah, and it's so cool to make connections that way. To yeah. kind of just find out about all these random people that are out there.
1: Yeah, just yeah. kind of like just you know when you're when you're putting out good stuff and you're yeah. you're part of a, a movement. You know, people just start to find each other. Yeah, um, uh, and I think that's the beauty of you know, engaging in a practice or a set of ideas is, is that, you know, people start to find each other, yeah. and digital technology has, has helped, with, helped us with that quite a bit. Um, but yeah, so just a, a story, yeah, so Mike reached out to me, he he was moving to to where I was around, you know, in Michigan, moving yeah. you know, we near Lansing, Michigan, and we met for coffee. Of course, you know, we mentioned... Uh, we both knew about you and he knew you in person. Yeah. And yeah. yeah he, hi Mike.
0: He seen uh, me. He seen me in my, my best and worst. Mike okay. Has. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't mention any of the worst. Well, so. <laughs> well that, that's why he's a good friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Either that or he just kind of like wiped my mind afterwards or something. <laughs> yeah, uh,
0: that's, that's great. I mean, yeah. I always, I always get the sense like when I meet people and then I find out they know people that I know, it just yeah. it starts to reinforce the sense of like, oh, we're like, yeah. we're, we're, we're part of our, each other's extended communities. Yeah. It's yeah. It's very, uh, kind of human in that way, even though it's also yeah. very kind of networky. Yeah. yeah.
1: It, it's, it's, uh, you know, it, it starts to, the, the connections start to get denser. Right. Yes. And, you know, and I think after a while we started, we started interacting a little bit on Twitter and I think we had a, a few Twitter beefs or yeah. I, don't to, I don't know what to call them. Tweets bats. Um, tweets bats. <laughs> but, but my theory, and so I, there's this concept we can get into later that I'm really into called memetic mediation. Yes. And, and, but one of my theories of mimetic mediation is sometimes a little, bit of, a little bit of tension is good and it can actually lead to more bonding. Um And yes. so I, I, you know, I think it's all part of a process of a relationship. So Yeah you know so I, I hope that you know it, it seems like i don't know we we we're, we're getting along now which really well so that's good <laughs> well we're we're only 5 minutes into the yeah. podcast <laughs> yeah. well so we'll see
0: yeah well, you know i yeah. I, I think like in, 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 in the case of some of the most productive tweet spats i've had have been ones yeah. like with you where mm. Um, I've actually followed up and ha- ended up having a conversation, like a real time conversation yeah.
1: with people. Yeah, because sure. you
0: and I jumped on like video chat at some point. We did, yeah. And yeah, that was the first time. And uh-huh. I've done that also with um, with uh, uh, Do you know uh, Dan? Dan
1: uh, Delisto.
0: Yes, I think yeah. yeah, yeah. He has he's got he the Sheshire cat. Yes, the Sheshire yeah. cat. I, I've
1: also video chatted with him. I love Dan. Oh Hi, yeah. Dan if he's, a, listening. he's
0: yeah. a great he's a great guy, and yeah. um, he and you and some other folks have like. Had really productive conversations with after having disagreements on Twitter that felt like it's like disagreements like between like like two sort of sects that are so close to each other yeah. that it's kind of ridiculous they're fighting right. and yet they have the biggest fights yeah
1: it's the there's a ter- there's a term for that uh, something about small differences yes. Uh, I, I don't remember the term. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. So I, I remember the context of that. So, and, and I'll give you, maybe it relates to earlier context for me, is that, so I've always been kind of a progressive, you know, I've been on the progressive side and mm. um, and the, the whole kind of woke and counter woke really crept up on me, right? And so I just all of a sudden started hearing... Uh, you know, I, so I guess I just my friends weren't really in the you know what's typically called the hyper woke camp and mm. and you know the, the the more toxic sides of that. Um, and so I was just like, well, social justice is great, like, well, and then, you know and then all of a sudden I see like the rise of Jordan Peterson mm. and people talking about you know social justice warriors being being toxic, and I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I don't I don't yes. know. What you're and so and so I was coming from that perspective, and I think our initial conversation was I, I was. I was putting out something that was pretty woke. Mm. And I think you were pushing back and saying, well, it's actually more it's actually more nuanced than that. Like mm. and so I actually actually let's have a conversation. And so we had a video conversation, and you told me a little bit about your background. Mm. Um, I think it
0: right.
1: you know, I think you're telling me about your background. I think it had some something had to do with like gender roles and you're t- telling, well, you know, it's it's not so clear cut that it's the patriarchy is always oppressive, you know, mm. it's like it's it's nuanced and every family is different. And mm. You know, if if people aren't being you know coerced into certain roles, but are, are yeah, I don't know, it, it was something along those lines. That uh, right. I'll let you speak for yourself. Yeah, I don't uh, remember. Okay, yeah, <laughs> I mean, that sounds vaguely yeah, right. Yeah. Though, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. So, that,
1: so it was interesting. I mean, so it it's been a learning process for me to. Yeah. and Dan is helping with this too. Yeah. Is you know of just, you know, noticing that the tide had shifted hmm. in the culture and and realizing that, you know, who who are the good Guys, or the good people, or the bad—you know, the bad guy—or or that, that's not a good. Whichever training. gender they identify with. Exactly. Please. Exactly. <laughs> you, 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 you saw me. You saw me myself. You
0: know. <laughs> right. But I mean, you know, but and yeah, that there's—I mean, there's something valid and, and yeah. important and real to that too.
1: Yeah, and so I think you know part of my inquiry since then around that issue, we don't have. To Go down that that route, but but because you know everyone's talking about that. But you know, going down part of that route is you know for me is like okay, well you know a lot of it has to do with trauma and people Mm. people of various trauma and are traumatized and yeah we're in a media environment and a you know also like a a university environment where Mm. where kind of good faith conversation is not really encouraged you know and and there's just a lot of kind of like one set of trauma feeding, you know, reacting to an orthor- orthogonal set of trauma right. and it's just it's just blowing up and there's not really any conversation, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think, um, you know, jumping ahead, I think part of the premise of the Both And podcast is, is just to try and have good constructive conversations with people from different perspectives, you know, um, uh, different, uh, you know, kind of ideological priors. Uh, not always. A lot, of, a lot of times we have kind of our people from our meta tribe, you mm-hmm. know, so to speak, which we could also discuss. M-E-T-A. M-E-T-A? <laughs> yeah, M-E-T-A. You got you gotta, yeah. to, exactly. to differentiate exactly. that on the Buddhist Geeks yeah, podcast. Right, right. People yeah. get confused. That's right. That's right. M-E-T-A, <laughs> which is, you know, basically just means that, you know, we're, you know, in, in, in as well as having discussions about the content level issues, we're having conversations about those conversations, mm. and and mm. you know looking at is this a constructive process for sense making, um, or you know and people have brought up the term like meta crisis. I think right. you, you talk a lot I about meta crisis. Yeah. Do you want to? I don't know. Do you want to talk about because you've also been developing this idea of what you call the metadharma? Yeah. And and how that relates? Do you want to talk about that a little bit, and how that relates to the meta crisis?
0: That's a nice connection point with your work, because you yeah. you sort of describe yourself as a meta modernist,
1: sort of loosely.
0: Okay, loosely. Yeah, you
1: know, I, I'm hesitant to attach myself to any ideology. That's very meta right? of you. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that that aligns. I mean, it's meta modernism is a very it's a very broad ecology, right? Yeah. Like people often point. Well, first of all, it's often differentiated between metamodernism as cultural sensibility hmm. and metamodernism as, as a developmental kind of activist framework that's akin to integralism. Okay. okay. Similar to integralism. Yes. But if we're talking about the latter, then you know the Hanzi books are often brought up, but that's just part that's part of a larger ecology. And it's it's yeah. it's so it's and so it's it's hard to, and you Hansi, know. Uh, what's this uh, what's the last name? It's oh. a pen name. Oh yes, the pen name Hansi Freinacht.
0: Hansi Freinacht, Yes,
1: and he. uh, So so he in quotes is you know alone in the well uh, you know supposedly some some people do (laughs) some people do he's alone in the Swiss Alps writing you know this genius lone genius you know writing these books that are going to change society. Of course, it's just a couple of you know the listening society the the listening society and and the second one is the Nordic ideology. Uh, It's it's actually written by a couple of. Of sociologists uh, in Sweden, so uh, for, <laughs> it's you know it's it's an, open, va- it's an open secret. Maybe they it's vacation in the Swiss Alps. Maybe, maybe <laughs> exactly. And you know, and but it, it, I see it. I see even metamodernism, the ecology of metamodernism, as part of a larger uh, attractor point that you know many people are trying to move towards in order to avert you know existential collapse. Right in many along many different dimensions, and, and this relates to the meta crisis. So ecological mm-hmm. yes. collapse, um, you know, many 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 things. Collapse of democracy. Collapse of democracy. Perhaps the rise of neo-fascism. Yeah, many many things are happening, uh, and and so it's part of a larger ecology. I, I really like the term media ecology or human ecology. Mm-hmm. That's kind of respond trying to respond in a good way, and you know. Mm-hmm. A lot, a lot, of it is is just kind of talk right now, and uh, you know, one of the you know, one of the things that I'm trying to do, not to talk so much, but one of the things I'm trying to you know that that I'm thinking about these days is okay, how do we actually ground this in, you know, act, our actual physical ecologies and and yes. communities and cultures. Um, but anyway, so that, that was, I kind of took this uh, off track, should, but I, I want to get, we should get yeah. to
0: that at some point because yeah. that, that would be a good place to ground down some yeah. of these big ideas. Sure. Yeah. But
1: I want to give you, I want to give you, you know, the, 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 space to, to talk about how you think about metadharma and how it relates to this larger ecology and, and what you're, and you know, what, what the roots are of it for you. I think it, it goes back to
0: a similar, you know, similar group of people that are, Um, Zach Stein, um, my my buddy Daniel Thorson on his podcast Emerge has been talking to people like Bonita Roy and Zach Mm. and others that um, a lot of whom I have connections with, they go back to some connection with Ken Wilber and and the integral scene, but they seem to have kind of found their own voice at this point and are kind of paving their, Mm -hmm. you know. They're often the, they're, the wilderness doing their own thing, yeah. way, which yeah. is awesome. Yeah, and so I was really moved by yeah that, that there's the term meta crisis. You know, mm. that's the idea that there's there's so many overlapping kind of things happening right now where it's really unclear what's going to happen with the, with our ecology. It's unclear what's going to happen with global governance trends. It's unclear, you know, yeah. um, John Vervecki's term the the uh, the meaning crisis. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, that people seem to be in a kind of special kind of crisis around how to make sense of their life and, you -hmm. know, and and have meaning even when everything is so like, um, I guess there's a certain kind of relativity to truth now that we've never had to deal with in a (laughs) post-Trump world. Right, right. post-truth. Yeah, post-truth world. (laughs) And um, Yeah. yeah, yeah, I mean, I think of all of those things together and just sort of go, okay, well... You know for me, growing coming up in the sort of Western Dharma scene of convert Buddhists who most of whom went to Asia as mm-hmm. young hippies, trained with Asian teachers and then came back and tried to translate that through their traditions mm-hmm. through their sort of Americanized Buddhist traditions, like mm-hmm. that the focus was really just on like my practice, mm-hmm. you know my awakening, my enlightenment, with an emphasis on like yeah, you know talking about ethics mm. some and okay. like even the bodhisattva aspiration mm-hmm. but no talk about politics was part yeah. was ever it was always avoided completely yeah. in dharma centers of meditation mm-hmm. centers and there was just a sort of overarching sense that like this is an individual path that we're all coming together to like mm-hmm. help each other with mm-hmm. and it just seemed to me like the meta crisis yeah was sort of blowing that to smithereens. Yeah. You know, the idea yeah. that we could continue on with that kind of Dharma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, it seemed obvious to me for some years that we needed more relational practices in in Dharma yeah. scenes and yeah. we needed to kind of reconceive of like, what is like, why wake up
1: mm-hmm. in
0: the first place? Like, yeah. what, what is it good for? Yeah. Um, because it seemed like a lot of people who have genuine awakening experiences weren't doing much good with them right. <laughs> or they were like interpreting them in such a way that yeah. just was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like that's,
1: they still had their quirks and foibles and,
0: and they, know. they sounded yeah. like their tradition. Like they open yeah. their mouth and the old books are yeah. like words are coming out. Like, right. it's like, Oh, for me, like this feels yeah. like more, Yeah. Like it's, it's awakening to something that's like wanting to emerge rather than waking up to some past eternal truth.
1: Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And Evan Thompson recently on Michael's podcast used the word entrainment when Mm -hmm. he felt when he was doing a, he was doing a a Dharma retreat and his, you know, his book, his new book, which I haven't read why I'm not a Buddhist, but he was saying, well, it's, we're not exactly training ourselves to see reality as it is. Yeah. But we're being entrained to look through a certain lens that will, you know, perhaps, you know, I, I don't know if I would take his critique as far as he would. Yeah. I think that there is, you know, the, the ability to to notice the arising of your experience in a more, you know, uh, in, in a mindful way, I think, is kind of a revelation That's it's not just ideology. Mm. You know, that, I mean, that's a whole conversation of the, the relationship between phenomenology and What's real, right? Yeah, ontology. Yes, um, but I, I, I'm also I, I'm curious. You when you I remember when you were starting to tweet about meta dharma. You were talking about kind of these three distinctions between kind of the modern Western dharma and then the pluralistic. Yes, you know, maybe related to postmodernism. Yes, and then, and then meta dharma, and like speci- yeah.
0: specifically, like a deconstructive kind of yeah tendency toward uh, yeah. like like pull out, pull all the narratives apart.
1: Yeah. yeah. So, would you? Would you? I don't know. Do you want to? Do you want to kind of when you're talking about the the kind of evolution that you 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 you, you started discussing? Do you want to try and relate that to to those, to that movement through through these different?
0: I I do. I mean, because you were talking earlier about kind of as a cult, meta modernism as a cultural sensibility and as yeah. more like a developmental trajectory, right? Right. And mm-hmm. I, I I tend to be more I guess of a developmentalist although yeah. I, I've gone through a phases where I wasn't yeah. and I can look back um, and see that now and yeah. that's what makes me reaffirm my, my my position as a developmentalist right 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 because um, I'm like yeah. oh actually <laughs> yeah yeah what yeah. those what those people said. Might happen uh-huh. Robert Keegan, Ken Wilbur right right um you know Claire Graves, like they yeah. actually seem to have described my personal experience pretty well right, right, um, yeah. so yeah, yeah, I look back at my own trajectory and I do see some kind of developmental process, yeah, and I can see kind of having become disillusioned at a certain point, you know, probably ten twelve years ago with. Mm. Uh, Ken Wilber's integral theory and this mm-hmm. whole notion that you could have a theory or a model that could explain everything yeah
1: yeah
0: you have a similar kind of um, we've talked about this a little bit yeah. like you've had a similar yeah. similar kinds of observations I don't know if they played out in a developmental sequence sort or of. if that's how you understand it but sort of
1: well maybe let me start kind of
0: and, and you've been in academia so yeah. so that's like yeah. if you're gonna do that kind of Deconstructive work, like seems like a good place to do it.
1: Right. Well, so maybe maybe the best is to start kind of how I think about it now, and then and then trace it back a a little bit. Sure. Um, You know, so I tweeted a while back in something that kind of how I think about developmental models and developmental stages is Mm. that I I made a tweet something like, you know, Kagan's, you know, uh, developmental stages is very Kagan stage four, (laughs) right?
0: And so I remember that tweet.
1: Yeah, and so basically what that means is that these stages are useful in a pragmatic sense, but they aren't this, this totalizing framework is actually thinking in those terms is actually a developmental stage. And it's not the last one, right? Like, so we can create this idea of all of the stages, but doing that itself is itself a stage, right? And that's, and in Kagan stage four, it's all about creating kind of coherent ideology that, kind of is supposed to encompass mm. everything into a, a coherent framework that you know uh, applies to every kind of contextual situation and you know according to Kagan's framework the transition to stage 5 is well you know how Chapman interprets Kagan is 4.5 yeah. is kind of like this dissolution phase yes what well, we you know or or deconstruction phase he, yeah he
0: calls it deconstructive postmodernism exactly yeah. and
1: and it's a necessary phase mm-hmm. right to and so even if you're for me, like, I read Wilbur when I was 20, and so I was thinking these lines, and I had to go through my own series of, I don't know, I mean, deconstruction is, is, is a very, you know, it's, it's, very, it's very particular, you know, and so that, that's just a very kind of broad way to put it, but yeah. I had to, you know, these days, I, I, again, I really appreciate what Wilbur's doing, but I had to kind of, like, see it in kind of a stage four lens and then go through this kind of, de- you know, deconstructive phase where I kind of became disillusioned with it uh, and then come back to it in in a more fluid way. Yes. Um, Yes. But so, okay. So, but anyway, so just to give a little bit of my background, and I I won't dwell on it too much, but, you know, I I was raised, my my parents were hippies. They met on a hippie commune. Um, They divorced when I was really young and, you know, they quickly kind of, you know, Got into the system, so to speak. Um, you know, my dad became a business. Well, he became a jewelry maker and then a business person, wholesaler, and my mom you know, was a weaver, and, and eventually she went back to school for electrical engineering. Mm. and Wow. And so, you know... That's quite a transition. Yeah, a huge transition. She did that in her 40s and 50s. Mm. It took her, like, 20 years to get her bachelor's degree, but she finally did it, you know, because she had to work full-time as well. Right. Although she had, you know, eventually she, her third husband, you know, turned out to be a really sweet, wonderful guy. Um, but, you know, I went through these phases where, you know, as a teenager, I, uh, you know, 16, 17, I was taking psychedelics and weed and, you know, smoking weed and, uh, had some pretty, I don't know, my, my friends weren't really in that, in, in the kind of like the, the, the integral kind of, you know, I was thinking, you know, I was reading to read Buckminster Fuller and thinking kind of big vision, big picture. And my friends, you know, were, were kind of a bunch of, you know, great people, but you know they did criminal things uh, <laughs> as well. You know what I mean, uh, and not sure. for idealistic purposes either. Um, yeah, 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 And I eventually, in college, I keep in I, I, stage two. Uh, I, I I I really <laughs> hope none of them are going to listen to this. You you you, you don't want to type type your friends
0: on the on, uh, no. You want to put them into stage I, I, stages I right here on on, on the podcast.
1: <laughs> not really. <laughs> uh, but smart I smart man. Yeah, but I eventually yeah I eventually became got very serious with the religion my mom was a part of, which was the Baha'i faith and in college in my 20s I became a very serious Uh Baha'i and became very straight edge because that's that's part of the Baha'i lifestyle yeah um and so I you know part during this time I had read Wilbur but I was I was I was also having a lot of personal psychological issues uh cognitive dissonance is the way I would put it where I had you know I, I had been kind of Reading a lot of ideological books or a lot, a lot of visionary books, but you know the, the context I was in was very different. So there was just this mismatch of ideologies, and I just nothing felt coherent mm. is the way to put it, and that was reflected in my mental state. Mm. I would say, mm. uh, and so that was part of kind of my dissolution phase of just like, just just trying to cope day to day, you know, of, of just being kind of like a basket case and. Uh, but you know, still being able to get through school and eventually, you know, all the way through through a PhD. Um, is, that,
0: is that related that phase to your interest in meditation practice?
1: Yeah. So so I had started meditating when I was like sixteen, seventeen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had read *Be Here Now* by Ram Das mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know, I, I started meditating according to the, some of the mixing in with some of the stretching stretching yoga exercises, asanas mm-hmm. that that he had. Prescribed, but nice. eventually I kind of got out of that. I, I basically adopted a more of a Bahai kind of monotheistic prayer kind mm-hmm. of frame. Um, but I, I got back into after so 26. I was 26, 10 years ago. Uh, I stopped being a Bahai, um, and I went through like three or four years of just it's pretty dark psychologically um, and. Still going through school, uh, but it was around 30 or 31 that I started getting back into meditation Hmm. um, after kind of being an atheist or agnostic or just kind of a nihilist. Yeah, um, and that's Which is a natural response to <laughs> yeah. being
0: disillusioned with the monotheistic tradition.
1: Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and just you know, listening to you know that that was the time of the new you know the new atheists and starting listening mm. to them, and you know all these doubts, seeds of doubt, just were growing in me. And 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 but it was I was really attracted to pragmatic dharma. Mm. You know, well, I started you know somebody sent me a book by Eckhart Tolle, and I was like, okay, one of these new age people. And I started reading, it and it was, it was actually like really resonating with me at the time. Was, yeah. you know, and it was the first time again that the sense of presence, you know, just the be here now-ness became really tangible to me. Again, I was like, oh, this is something different. Like this is not me trying to think my way out of my problems. Mm-hmm. This is me actually just being present with what's arising. Mm-hmm. But that quickly, you know, led into, you know, discovering Shenzhen Young and Daniel Ingram and, you know, many others in this scene. Uh, right. And and then from there, you know uh, uh, you know that branched out into learning about all of these other movements and mm-hmm. you know six years later here I am yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and
0: would you say you've been sort of in, in this phase more like a kind of DIY practitioner like you've been kind of taking in things and incorporating them and
1: sort of yeah like yeah so so, kind so of I, being
0: the the uh, the self author of your own practice I
1: that's 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 been it not not to say that that's the better way to go but it's mm. you know I, so one is I was just you know in Michigan and there weren't really any people you know there's like meditation groups and I, I, I tried going to one or two of them but they're mainly like really older folks and I just didn't really relate to it yeah um, yeah like, you know I did you gotta
0: really <laughs> want it
1: and, yeah uh you know I did a or at least day. at that time at that at that's <laughs> changing yeah it's, it is changing so I, I did a like a 10-day Gwenco retreat yeah um there was one person um who you know I Probably shouldn't mention, but I, I did. I started an internet relationship as a, with him as a teacher, and it turned out pretty badly. I, I feel like he was in, in, in how he related to, like, basically, he was one of these people who was like, You follow my method, and you get awakened very quickly. And if you don't, it's basically because you're fucking up. Uh-huh. Right. And, you know, and I wasn't getting. That you know that awakening moment, and you know, and, he, and then he, I, I feel like he became abusive. That's mm. that's how I interpreted it, mm. and it ended pretty badly. Mm. Uh, and so, that. yeah, and and so really, I've just been kind of DIYing it, as you said, um, reading a lot, kind of practicing, you know, bringing in the vipassana side, you know, from the pragmatic dharma. But then I was listening to a lot of like Buddha at the gas pump, and mm. listening to a lot of these like Advaita Vedanta people. Yeah. Um, you know people who talk about like self inquiry really mm. really grabbed onto self inquiry as part of the practice and mm. these days, I really kind of have this I, 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 today I was, I was driving here, I thought of the word cybernetic in terms of like this or this kind of integrated relationship between mindfulness and self inquiry um, and and it's it 's worked for me pretty well okay. uh, but you know, I, I'm. I, I'm not. You know, I, I feel like I'm at the place now in terms of my my development where I I am very open to you know community and to practicing together, um, and so that that's kind of the direction I'm starting to move in. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, I wanted to go back to something you were saying um, about uh, your tweet about uh, Keegan's model being very stage four.
1: Or just any developmental stage model.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because I I have a slightly different thought on that. Here's our difference. (laughs) Sure, sure. Yeah, please. Um, I I wonder... I've been coming back around to seeing Wilbur's work not as an attempt to present a kind of totalizing model, although I think Mm -hmm. it it is that too, if you see it that way. Yeah. Um, But I Uh don't think he actually crafted it from that place. Hmm. Like, I actually think he he was, um, seeing it from a different angle, like on the other side of the deconstruction, like I think he mm-hmm. was in a reconstructive phase yeah, and, and had gained that kind of fluency, you know, his whole axiom, mm-hmm. like everyone is right. Mm-hmm. Like that notion that everyone has some piece of the truth yeah, and sort of the way I hear him talk about how, for instance, he discovered the quadrants, Mm -hmm. you know, where he had like all of these papers on the floor. He's talking about this on Future Thinkers recently. And all these like different developmental maps and models. And he was just like, what in the hell? Like, how do these things relate? Do they relate? Right. And he started like, was just like, almost like banging his head up against this. And then he suddenly saw like a pattern, Mm -hmm. you know, he saw like, oh, like some of these are describing like, like interiors and some of them yeah. are describing like exterior things yeah. and then he like, like separated all the papers out into two different camps. And then he's yeah. like, still something wasn't quite right yeah. and it wasn't really fitting. Right. And to me, that's not what a stage four, like, um, theoretical mindset does. It doesn't mm. try to look, it doesn't, it tries to for, force itself on reality instead yeah. of letting reality talk back.
1: Yeah, okay. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And
0: so yeah. I mm-hmm. kind of interpret Wilbur now as like stage five from Keegan's standpoint, like of reconstructing mm-hmm. and having this more fluid, kind of meta-theoretical yeah. approach, mm-hmm. like of seeing deep patterns and and just so happening to go deep enough into that deep pattern work yeah. that that's like something that looks like a theory emerges mm-hmm. that actually really calls to people who are in at stage four who are into theories because right. it's because it's actually pulling on something pretty deep yeah like it actually is like oh that's interesting right um right, right. so i wonder if you know there like and this is kind of wilbur talks about this like he calls it the pre-trans fallacy if like sometimes yeah. Yeah. we misinterpret what we see because it doesn't look like the thing we haven't seen yet <laughs> yeah <laughs> <You know? laughs> I, I think that's
1: uh, I actually think that's a great description of my process is I think mm-hmm. when I discovered Wilbur when I was 20 you know I, I was relating uh, I was relating to what was what is a more fluid um, reconstructive mm-hmm. um, framework you know from a very stage four place likewise yeah, yeah likewise and and you know and so when I first read it, it was like, you know, I was going through many phases of like reading something be like, okay, you know, now I've, this is how I organize the rest of my life. You know, now I'm, you know, get on the horse and, you know, ride and, mm-hmm. and then falling off the horse, right. And, and going through a really hard time. Um, yes. And, you know, that just might be inevitable for having, you know, if, if, if we have kind of this, this really flexible framework that we, we would call taking stage five, so to speak, um, you know, and, and a lot of people are gonna approach it from both, you know, more relational aspect, which is, you know, uh, or, or, you know, relationship is predominant Yeah. Know, and kind of, I say sub ideological. I don't mean that in, in any, in any negative connotations of that, but, yeah, but
0: they're not, they're not like leading with like theoretical, they're not, they're leading, not nerds, right?
1: They're, they're not <laughs> leading with a framework in order to organize the relationship. They're yeah. saying. You know this. You know no. We have to. You know, relationships should be fair, and 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 so, like, what what should be done is is based solely on oh that person, you know, is not being fair or they're not fulfilling their end. Or, you know, and that's a very I think a very important lens at any stage you're at. You know, always right. And of course, that's that's you know part of what we're transcendent and include right. And I think a lot of. I, I see sometimes, you know, signs of people transcending and not in, not including. And, yeah, and it's it's very cringy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but so so yeah, and so so basically, like I think when you have something like this, it's like, you know, people are relate to it from many different stages, and and you know, co-opt might 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 be you know, I don't know if that's a, that might be too strong, but uh, yeah, it, it's gonna. It's going to cause development, but it also might cause a lot of, you know, a lot of challenges along the way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you talked about Jordan Peterson. He might be a good example of someone who's transcended without including some of, yeah. the, some of the deeper truths. Yeah.
1: <laughs> very, very well, you know, some people, some people, say, you know, say that Jordan Peterson has aspects of like meta, the, the meta, yeah. you know, dash, whatever you want to call it, yeah. but his reactionary tendencies against anything postmodern yeah. is definitely a sign of that for sure. Yeah. And and, yeah. and that's what makes it potentially I'm not saying what he's doing, but a lot of people who who he inspired mm-hmm. in, in more reactionary, you know, scary ways. Um, mm-hmm. especially if you throw in like, you know, Carl Jung, who is great along many dimensions, and but a lot of kind of neo-reactionaries pick up on certain parts of the right. message, um, but they're not including and it becomes dangerous.
0: Yeah. Well, and and, and so this has been something that's been up lately, like, um, you know, to get political for a second, mm-hmm. uh, I remember seeing Elizabeth Warren recently um, say that, you know, in reference to Bernie Sanders, like, um, we should be, t- we are totally responsible for what our followers say and do. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. hmm. you really,
1: You really want to set that standard? <laughs>
0: I wouldn't want to set that standard myself yeah. in part because I'm a developmentalist. Yeah. I'm like, you know, uh-huh. you can't you can't control where people are seeing your words from. Yeah. You know, and you don't you can't you have no influence over their past history, their their trauma, yeah. their maladaptive stuff. Like yeah. I mean, someone puts out something we put out this podcast yeah. and we have really no way of knowing how people are going to interpret this conversation yeah. like we can try yeah. our best right. Right. and i and i think people like you know public intellectuals especially and authors mm-hmm. like they put stuff out there that they've put a lot of heart into and in their their life's work yeah. and then you know it's like people will do all kinds of stuff with that yeah. and i yeah. i don't see how we can be responsible for how people take up our work, but I do think we we can notice trends, yeah. you know, and see like, wow, right. there's a lot of fucking people who pick up Peterson's work and are yeah. really fucking angry, right. you know, yeah. and are like, you know, yeah. there's kind of like an attack mob, you know, yeah. like you fuck with Peterson, you know, right. you, you get attacked, but likewise, yeah. you, you, you like Peterson, you uh, also get
1: attacked, right? so, no, you know, it, yeah, it's it, like, and should yeah.
0: those, all those people that are counterattacking, should they, uh-huh. you know, should we blame all the, you know, Derrida and, right, right. Know, Foucault for that? <laughs> That? Yeah, <laughs> like poor dead French guys. Yeah,
1: we we are all complicit in history whether we like it or not mm. and both the good parts and the bad parts and I think that speaks to the notion of interconnectedness, right? Um, hmm. We can have the best of intentions. I think most of us do at least rationalize good intentions, right? No, we think we have good intentions um, and or we're true believers and and you know, it, the the outcome is not guaranteed. You know, and our and our role in creating a net positive or net negative, you know, it's it's not guaranteed. And I think that's a really humbling. <laughs> it's a really humbling thing, actually.
0: Yeah. And I, you know, this was an interesting part of um, studying and working with Wilbur for a while up close. Was it was interesting to see how he responded to his critics? Yeah. Cause he had a um, he had a whole community of critics. Like they mm-hmm. had a whole they had a website. Right,
1: right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I was huh.
0: like, whoa. Yeah. You know, you're doing something right when like yeah. there's a whole community dedicated exactly. to criticizing you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, But yeah. like, I saw how he at some point like he hit this sort of max where he just couldn't deal with the level of criticism. Yeah. And I, I saw him contract into a much less. Flexible yeah. mindset than I yeah. than I normally saw him operate with. Interesting, and yeah. I think you know it's interesting to notice, like in in network theory kind of ways, like how yeah. when so, if someone's voice starts to gain some kind of signal and gets amplified, yeah, like it's it's all it's like natural that there's going to be this sort of yeah. like this kind of counter force, yeah, and then the individuals like mm. they end up, and I've felt this to some degree even with Buddhist geeks, like end up. Yeah. Becoming more um, rigid than they actually are,
1: yeah,
0: because they're dealing with these yeah. social forces right. that are almost like attacking anything that yeah. kind of pops
1: up. You get into and in a way, it's mode. great. Yeah, and you get into defense mode, and sometimes yeah. you have to. Um, and th- yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to to try and address a legion of critics, like I'm sure. I mean, if you're someone like Ken Wilber, who is a force of nature, right? Um, it's inevitable and, and to be able to legitimately defend your ideas without becoming defensive You know that's that's extremely hard, if not impossible. Yeah, if not impossible. Yeah.
0: Right. Right. Maybe maybe it'll be possible in like ten years. Right. Right. Disidentified with those ideas. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's like no, no, that was Wilbur two. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That was Snyder three. (laughs) We're we're over that.
1: Right. Right. Well, but I I wanted to 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 pull the string. You mentioned about like not knowing how people interpret your ideas, and I've thought a lot about this because I. You know, I'm kind of just like a freewheeling tweeter, for example, and I just I just throw out half-baked ideas and partial ideas, and I know that they're partial. Um, mm. And I and I've I've worried that you know, am I again? Are, are these ideas perhaps you know? I don't want to elevate my role. You know, I'm just a little fish. But are these ideas going to be you know misappropriated or or used for something that I would actually find quite reprehensible? Um, and I think. You know, part of it is like, well, if I if I just, you know, it, you know, and I don't know if this is a good strategy uh, to the extent that I've thought about it, but it, you know, for me, it's like, well, you, you you observe how people interact with with your ideas, and you observe kind of the the larger meme space and, and idea space. Um, and for me, it's oftentimes I'm I'm responding to what I see as, as a as an imbalanced, like like certain set of views are becoming imbalanced, and so then I'll present. Uh, you know, an, an imbalanced, you know, kind of counter set of views mm-hmm. is how I think about what I'm doing, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so it's, and you know, and this is constantly shifting. And so, you know, it, and so it's like counter woke. Almost, yeah. And so it's almost like this idea, <laughs> this idea of like constantly, it's, it's almost like running in circles or like spinning mm-hmm. around and like, you know, trying to to the you know to the extent you know that you know I can like to help try and you know. If I see something going off the rails, you know, try and like, you know, gently, gently push it in the other direction, so it's like, you know, and, and of course, it's out of any of our control. You know, this is collective intelligence that, you know, I, I see is, you know, how do we respond to the meta crisis? You know, we have to create this kind of new kind of collective intelligence that, as humans, we can, we can, you know, adequately respond to, to the serious. Transition we're in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it can go in many different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And and so it's kind of like, okay, what is what if, from my from my vantage point? What is collective intelligence? How is it evolving today? And then, okay, like how do I then kind of respond? That that's that's kind of how I see it. Yeah, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah.
0: What you're sharing is reminding me a little of um, Otto Sharmers' work.
1: I've heard of him, but I haven't really followed up on any of his stuff.
0: Yeah, I've only read just a, a little bit of his stuff, and um, yeah, Mike he, Mike brought him up. Yeah, he's he's brought up uh, was it Theory U, I think.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, I remember he had he had this kind of way of talking about um, attention and coordination and relationships that was really interesting. He said, you know, the the task in a way that we're faced with currently. Is we have to sort of attend to our attention. We have mm-hmm. to bend our attention toward our attention, which is kind of yeah. like he re- he's friends with John Cabot zinn Okay, um, they yeah. both came out of MIT, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and 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 he said something. We have to relate to our relationships, mm-hmm. and we have to coordinate our coordinating. Yeah, you know, and, and sort of taking this again meta, like a meta a meta perspective on yeah. these things. Yeah, and yeah. I found that something about that really struck me. Um, mm-hmm. And something in what you're saying reminds me of that, of that, like, you know, taking a position on these things that we do that like our attention or like our conversations our relationships or how we coordinate ourselves, Mm -hmm. you know, um, for action, Yeah. you know, it's like looking, like kind of looking at how, not just looking, but also like influencing how
1: we do that from,
0: from another kind of vantage point.
1: Right. And of course, you know, meta is turtles all the way up or all the way down, however you want, you know, and so it's there's only so much, I feel like so so this is this I think this might be an interesting direction of the conversation is I do think that if done wrong, there there's a tension between meta and embodiment. Right? Yeah. And going meta is kind of going into a more detached analytical mode. And if that is not coupled with you know, an, some kind of really strong embodiment practice, and indeed, if it's not some kind of feedback loop, yes. where you go meta, but again, you know, you know, someone can go meta, but but you know, or, or you know, can kind of observe, but who's observing the observer, right? And one, you know, we, we observe each other, and we, um, this is part of why I think always being nice for the sake of being nice is is can be dangerous. You know, you, you want to be kind, but part of being kind is to as gently as possible, but without sacrificing, sacrificing it, like pointing out blind spots, mm-hmm. you know, in each other. Right. Yeah. And, and it, it hurts to be, to have your blind spots pointed out. And, right. You know, and so part of the, part of the practice is, you know, not getting reactive, trying to, trying to incorporate it, but you know, but also, so that's, so that's the relational component. But the other component is like, we go meta, we have, we have this kind of idea, set of visions, but you know, at some point we have to like loop back down into our bodies. Into you know what's here, what's present right now, and then the new generation of kind of a new meta lens should you know in my in how I think about it should kind of arise, emerge out of your body, and it kind of mm. emerges out of your intuition and your subconscious, and then it starts interacting with kind of your analytical capacities, and yeah. a new, so so the meta constantly needs to be refreshed and adapted as well. Right.
0: Yeah, I, I like what you're saying. Um. I, I think another name for, for meta modernism is, is planet centric. Hmm. You know, like, yeah. And I find that's, that's kind of from Wil, Wilbur's stages of ego development yeah. egocentric, ethnocentric, world centric, planet centric, yeah. cosmocentric. Mm-hmm. I, I do a lot of practice with folks where we actually speak as the mind, as planet centric mind. Hmm. Uh, yeah. And will actually be inhabit that perspective. And to yeah. me, it is completely embodied. Like the second yeah. I get in touch with planet centric mind, mm-hmm. I sort of drop down straight down, yeah. and I sort of <laughs> feel the sort of empty expanse of yeah. the earth beneath me. Right. And right. I'm like, oh yeah, this is yeah. so super embodied. Yeah. You know, like yeah. this is the only way we're gonna be able yeah. to figure out this meta crisis. Yeah. Is if. Like I'm here, and I'm like yeah. tapped into the intelligence of the Earth. Yeah, you know if that makes sense. <laughs>
1: yeah. What is it, What's the difference between world-centric and planet-centric?
0: Um, for for in that model, world-centric is pointing to like all humans. It's okay. like an identity with I humans. See. I see. Yeah. And planet-centric is like an identification with the whole ecology. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it, transcending and including human. Yeah. It
1: almost reminds me. I don't know if you've heard of like the horseshoe theory of politics.
0: But I oh, vaguely. But I it's remember. basically
1: just the idea that, um, and it, you know, it's not you know this is a hypothesis, but you know that so oftentimes people who go so radical, le- radically left or so radically right, you know, kind of you know, so yes. it's like here's the center, okay. and they kind of go radically yes. left, and they eventually kind of end up in the same place. And you know, totally. to, to repurpose this 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 metaphor, you know, or, or analogy. Anyway, uh, it's okay. Uh, yeah. The, the earth forgives you. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I think, you know, perhaps going so meta, you know, eventually, you know, meets up with going so embodied and, and, and not just in your body, but also in, in your situational context and the earth and, and yeah. the ecology that we're a subset of. Yes. Um, and, and those would meet. Somehow, in some synthesis, right? Yeah, that, that's the ideal. I don't think that always happens, right? You can go so yeah. embodied and so present and so be here now that yeah. you just kind of become an idiot. Uh,
0: yeah, <laughs> and, you don't. You don't. You know, yeah. You don't act like work. Yeah, work your mind
1: muscles. You don't. Yeah, or or you just you know you become you know there, there's the the whole critique about McMindfulness and you know you, you like it's kind of you know mindfulness is creating. These subservient people who won't complain because they're just blissing out, right? So, so that perhaps is a danger. That's a critique that people have made. And then the other, but then the danger going so meta is that you become disembodied, and I think if you become disembodied, um, your meta analysis will be corrupted.
0: Somehow. Yeah, and I and I to to use to to use your own tweet from yeah. earlier, like <laughs> that sounds like to me like disembodied theoretics is almost always again like kind of like keegan stage four it's yeah. like not okay. really meta yeah. to me yeah you know, the way that i understand it yeah um it's, because it's there's rigid yeah it's rigid and it's like it's like the the con- concepts are trump sort of trump everything where it's like my yeah. my every i'm looking again like through this model and i'm trying to like it's like the Borg. I'm trying to assimilate everything into it. Right. And like, right. It, maybe it changes, but it's still, yeah. it changes because it's assimilating.
1: Yeah. You know, not yeah. because,
0: yeah. Um, you know, not because we actually run into things that completely break our model, you know, right. and our ideas right. and go, wait yeah. a second, maybe I can't understand everything from the head. Right. You know, maybe I right. have to, like these other parts of the body and these other like modes of knowing like are yeah. are like tapped into valid,
1: yeah. you know,
0: valid information. And that we have yeah. to actually like, tap into like the earth, tap into our heart center, tap into the mind and like yeah. construct something together. That's, you know, it's pulling from all these s- sources.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, there's, so there's, I mean, I, 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 absolutely agree with you and there's actually, I think there's a lot of research going on now in, mm. in embodied cognition, you know, right. Finding that we're tacit knowledge, mm. right. And, and, and we're finding that so much of our cognition, um, and intelligent cognition, adaptive cognition, right? Because, you know, a large part of our brain, you know, is pretty human, evolved in a pretty human sense, and, you know, they they weren't solving math problems, but, they, you know, a lot of these creatures were pretty smart and adaptive, right? Uh, and so, you know, it, and so it, it seems like, to put it in those terms, going so meta and becoming kind of separated from your body and mind and um, all, of these, all of these things, it, you, you're basically cutting off a huge source of, of kind of bottom up or ground up wisdom, right? Um, and you're not gonna, you're not, because you're kind of cut off, I mean, you're getting those signals, but you're not integrating those signals. Yeah. Right? Um, uh, and so you're actually being cut off from new information that's coming. Yeah. And that comes up through your intuition, you know, and and it can be incorporated mm. to revise models. But without that, um, it, it becomes, uh, you know, so if we're, if we're talking about it in an evolutionary sense, it becomes maladaptive mm-hmm. theory, yeah, because it's not responsive. Yes, it's, not, it's yes. not. So if you think you relate this to political structures, it's the same thing, right? You can have the best master planners in the world, but if they're not responsive, you know, if there's not some responsive mechanism, you know, the feedback loop. Feedback loop, and yeah. you know, we've you know, democracy is an attempt at this, of course, yeah. right, of yeah. getting information from. You know what's actually happening on the ground, and I, I think that it's actually a perfect analogy, uh, yeah. to, to our you know our individual selves. Yeah, you see yeah. that
0: in business in the business domain as well. You know, yeah, where companies mm-hmm. that just like have an idea and they try to run with it, yeah, and get a bunch of funding. I've done yeah. this, um, and <laughs> right. But it's not right. rooted and grounded in like what what's what's actually needed and wanted. Then yeah, you know, just it just yeah. becomes a waste And business yeah. they have the advantage of like being able to find that out usually pretty fast right whereas yeah. in politics you yeah, know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah businesses have have
1: market research and yeah um, uh, and all of that um, one thing of course this is an aside but one thing business often doesn't have is a is a perspective of the larger whole that yeah. they're part of an, and, an ethical an, perspective an ethical perspective <laughs> and you know without yes. with the the sense of right. constantly growing and profitability outside of a larger gaia context right. is cancerous right and so right. i just just I, I know you know that and our listeners no, i'm sure it's know absolutely that, true just something to throw in there yeah absolutely
0: <laughs> true and and you know maybe maybe that's a good segue into mm-hmm. the kinds of projects that you're working on and i'm working on yeah. there are sim- mm-hmm. really a lot of similarities um
1: yeah
0: because to me like what 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 some of what you're planning, which I'd love for you to talk about, you just um, mm-hmm. got some land out in Boone, and it's yeah, beautiful. Yeah. yeah it's, um, and yeah. you have some plans to to yeah. kind of over the long term, like do what yeah. do some growing, do some building. What what's yeah. what's kind of on your horizon? Because I yeah. I think of this as what you're doing as entrepreneurship, but it's yeah. not capitalistic entrepreneurship yeah. per se.
1: Per se, yeah. And so yeah.
0: that to me was a revelation, mm-hmm. like that entrepreneurship, yeah. that process mm-hmm. of coming together and trying things and getting feedback and evolving structure and process and, and, and things to offer like that, that doesn't have to be always framed Mm -hmm. inside of the sort of cancerous growth capitalist system. And even some Mm -hmm. companies Mm -hmm. are like Patagonia is a good example, like Mm -hmm. even operate within that mill you and do okay with it. Yeah. So how are you yeah. thinking about that? Because like you know yeah. one the downsides of academia is <laughs> right. you maybe don't hone some of those, yeah. those entrepreneurial skills per se. You
1: know? Yeah. Well, you know it's all very it's all very nebulous right now. Yeah. Uh, I think part you know so I'm trying to take to heart you know in uh, you know the, the certain frameworks uh, that basically separate out into kind of three modes. You know one is kind of perceiving and then sense making and then agency, right? And so this is like Jordan Hall's model of sovereignty, but it's also like permaculture frameworks have very similar things. The ODA loop, you know, military is kind of so it's basically so in one way to put it is you you observe for a while, right? And you kind of just so so here it's like I have this kind of nebulous vision of, you know, transforming our, you know, Four acres or so of land um, into kind of a, a permacultural system, mm-hmm. right? Or evo- co evolving with it, of course, um, and helping to network with other people who are doing, you know, work in loosely termed like earth regeneration, mm-hmm. right? Or bioregional regeneration, mm. and, you know, creating an, a global network of people doing that. Yes. Um, coordinating, and the co- coordinating the coordination. Coordinating the coordination. And uh, and I'm just kind of starting to move in this direction, right? Because I, I got my my PhD in applied economics. I was studying food systems in, in East Africa. Um, but I found the economics framework to be epistemologically very limiting. And I knew that coming in. But at the time, I thought, well, you know, international development sounds good. And it sounds good enough. And, you know, I, I didn't know what else I was going to do. So I got into that. But I'm now like, okay, um, you know, in... Luckily, you know why we're here is my wife got a tenure track position at the Department of Sustainable Development at at Appalachian State, and you know now I'm a I'm a a adjunct right now uh, with it, and so I'm I'm teaching. But you know that that's the nebulous vision of like building up local resiliency, you know along kind of a a new economics like regenerative economics or Mm -hmm. ecological economics. Type of framework, mm. but it's so still so early in the process that when you know, for me to think about like entrepreneurship, you know, right now the entrepreneurship, I'm in the stage where I'm just trying to learn how to plant something. Yes, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and where to plant it. Early R and D phase. Early R and D phase, and and but that's even difficult, right? Because I got to yeah. know, okay, where does our land flood, and so I got to observe different rain events, and it's like, okay, when it rains. You know this much. if floods on this side. So that means okay. So how are we gonna? How are we gonna divert the water over here? You know. So there's a lot of just observing the system that's there hmm. before. Okay, now I can start making some moves. I'm gonna make. I know we'll make mistakes. And and so thinking of that on that on my own land, also thinking about that in terms of community, where I'm I'm brand new to Appalachia, right? There's a long, rich cultural history here that you know is. Has largely been, you know, has has been really degraded by kind of an extractive capitalist model. You know, like the the coal industry is is the kind of the archetypical example of that yeah. in Appalachia. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, okay, like I have so much to learn about this region, the history of this region, the 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 bio, you know, the biological bio region. So both the human cultural history and also the ecological history and how those have have interacted and you know for me that's like you know that'll be like a multi-year process yeah and and while i'm doing that hopefully forming relationships with people who know a lot more than me along these lines yeah elders Um, mentors elders mentors and you know friends friends exactly (laughs) we'll do this together (laughs) exactly exactly exactly. and but also connecting with people like you who, who who are thinking along similar lines yeah um and you know figuring out how we can learn learn this together because I, I really think this is the direction we need to move in. And for a yes. while I was, I was skeptical because for a while I, I, I kind of thought along more kind of neoclassical economic lines, mm-hmm. even though I knew there was some good critiques. I was like, yeah, but you know, you, you, need, you need ag productivity and it has to be centralized. And it's only recently that I've been like, okay, like I've finally, I've kind of, kind of exhausted that, that worldview and it's allowing me mm-hmm. to... And it's all tied up into my like, contemplative growth and mm. focus on embodiment and everything else. Mm. Um, mm. So, yeah. So I, I'm basically—it's like I'm starting. You know, I've, I'm 36 years old. I have a PhD, but I'm basically like starting again as mm-hmm. a beginner. And of mm-hmm. course, a lot of a lot of the skills and you know stuff can come in handy. In, you know, along the way. So I'm not like disregarding those, but it's like, yeah. you know, but in a very significant sense, like I'm 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 a beginner and I'm just starting again. And learning so yeah so so yeah. On, the entrepreneurship and 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 how we're thinking about it not in a cancerous way but in a in a sustainable regenerative way yeah like i you know i think and in collaborative in, way in a collaborative way yeah but, you know i think that will evolve you know as i evolve with the community and with the, yeah. with the landscape um but you know in like i just i couldn't even begin to make Make concrete plans along those lines yeah. that aren't completely nebulous and yeah. surely going to change. Well, that that yeah. seems
0: that seems wise given yeah. the phase yeah. of mm-hmm. the journey, and I, I feel like in a similar phase very much where, yeah. you know, like we've been living in this house for the last year, and it, like you said, it's just been observing like where the sun hits. Yeah. Yeah. On our property, like right. where, 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 where we can grow and like, yeah. it's taken a year to get to the point where yeah. now we're ready to like put some smart pots out there and exactly. grow some veggies this year. Right. Right. <laughs> you exactly. know, and, and during yeah. that year I grew, you know, last year I grew a small, very small garden at my grandparents' property. Yeah. Yeah and like just like the basic level of ignorance yeah. that i had you know with uh-huh. growing it's like yeah. you put the seeds way my grandfather said you put the seeds way too far down right. under the ground exactly. like they're not going to grow yeah. and i'm like yeah. oh right. <laughs> well, right that's like a, a two year old mistake you yeah. know but yeah. it's like one i had to make you yeah. know and yeah. so i get what you're saying it's like yeah. having some sort of vision of like a regenerative permaculture like it's a yeah. beautiful vision and it takes time to grow yeah. into it. And you can't
1: you can't live off the vision is nice, but you can't live off the vision. You have yeah. to you have to get your substance from the day to day learning process and struggle. Yeah. 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 And that's a contemplative that's a contemplative, you know, way of being is of, of the day to day annoyances, you know, and, and, and learning to to see beauty in that and not not trying to rush. Yeah. Right. And it helps you to relax into it. And also to become more perceptive because you're not resisting things, right? And it's just it, for me, it's just becoming such an integrated, you know, yeah. integrated thing.
0: Yeah, that, and that that has a lot of um, echoes of what we were talking about earlier, like the planet-centric orientation of like, yeah. you know, like yeah. being like nature. You know, nature mm-hmm. doesn't rush, right? You know, it just it does it it does it what it does. Yeah, you know.
1: Yeah, and it moves forward. You know, and it can be actually quite great. Gra- growth right. can
0: be crazy sometimes. Like yeah. some things can come flourish yeah. and come yeah. to fruition.
1: Yeah, it's it's, it's, non, it's non-linear, it's yeah. right? Like yeah. y- you can toil for years and seem like, you know, not getting anywhere. And then like, it's just, you never know how things are going to develop. And so the contemplative, you know, contemplative mode, I think, is patience, but also, you know, it's like it's like being open to... Just, you know, being patient, but also being open to rapid change. Yeah. Right? And, and being able to, to, to ride with, with either. Yeah,
0: yeah, I like that. Yeah. So, so, so I'm sort of imagining in a sort of nebulous, visionary way. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm imagining some years down the road, uh-huh. uh, like, us starting our Buddhist Geeks farm. Yeah. You know, which the uh-huh. idea is sort of part, it's like a retreat center and farm, mm-hmm. um, small-scale probably something like you're talking about like several acres
1: yeah yeah
0: and i'm imagining kind of like being connected you know to what you're doing and what others are doing yeah and having some way to kind of be sharing resources and information yeah and even like there being some kind of flow of people yeah you know and flow of kind of community through these different sort of um experimental yeah you know
1: yeah hubs right well how does that's, that
0: line up with your nebulous? No, it's, <laughs> it, that
1: that is that like that is the nebulous vision for yeah, me yeah. is I you know, so part of it is like I want to be able to have something to offer a community that's arising along these lines, right? And so having so for me, like why you know, having this land it's like, okay, I could I, you know take me a few years to to learn and to to learn with the land. Um, but you know, eventually, I, I see, it can be potentially becoming kind of a, a learning hub. You know, yeah. I want to I want to document my learning process and all the mistakes I make along the way. Yes, uh, and you know, of course, there will be you know, eventually, we're, you know, there there will be food. You know, the, the very tangible, practical things that that I can barter and share, and you know, perhaps sell. But you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know starting to like you're saying kind of creating this 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 kind of network with flow of info, you know of information and resources yeah like that seems that 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 seems really you know a, a real potential for for me in, in terms of like you know starting to develop a uh, a regional culture around this you know that's both learning uh you know uh Bringing people, bo- both in terms of contemplative and, but also learning skills. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and um, mm. Mm. yeah, and, and that's about you know, and so that's of course very nebulous, but that that's is that's as basically as concrete as I've gotten, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a feeling. It's a yeah. feeling that's actually hard to articulate, right? Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Would you call it like a like I would call it like an intuition. But yeah. it feels very, for me, it, it does feel very somatic. It's like yes. it's like a yearning or a longing. Yes, it's like a deep sense of ah, like this wants to emerge, yeah. and the only thing standing in its way is like mostly <laughs> my conditioning, <laughs> right, and right. my ignorance. <laughs> that, that's true.
1: That's true. Right. Right. Yes. Well, all of ours. All of All, all of the, our. All <laughs> well, I, I wish you know this somatic part. I wish I could express what I'm feeling in my body right now to yeah. our audience. Yeah. But of course I can't, right? Yeah. Um, but I think, it's the you mentioned the conditioning, I think yeah. it's like part of the learning process and making mistakes is like, like, while we're helping to condition a new culture, it's like a dual process of doing that and deconditioning our old culture, mm-hmm. right? And yes. those kind of go hand in hand. Yes and it's not going to be always pretty uh, or, or perfect, yes, um, but that's part of, that's part of the evolutionary process of like false starts, you know, even if we look at random mutation you know and selection, basic Darwinian 101, yeah most most you know most mutations don't go anywhere, yeah, you know, they're dead ends, yeah, and that's fine like that's, that's part of the the process of yes. evolution, right, yeah,
0: right if you have to have lots of mutations, so, so some of them yeah. actually work <laughs> exactly
1: you you have you and you know and 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 there is a difference i think between you know like so I, I, had a, I had an interview with the person on the podcast who's really into the idea of conscious evolution which is basically it's very wilberian uh, mm-hmm. but basically the idea is that it is we do have to think about this in an evolutionary way but there is a difference in kind of human culture and society where there is this kind of like Reflective capacity and the analytical capacity, and, and mm-hmm. that also shouldn't be shunned, right? Yeah. Like we, like we can, right? You know, like if we can line up our intuition and our analytical abilities, like like perhaps we can expedite this process.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm, yeah, no, I'm so glad you're saying that because I, I feel like part of the milieu that we're in right now, um, to borrow Alexander Bard and Jan Soderquist's terms, like hyper, yeah. we're in a hyper cynical you know you right now where it's like there's so much lack of faith in our basic goodness and capacities as Mm -hmm. human beings Mm -hmm. for and for you know for good fucking reasons not to dismiss like not to say like you shouldn't be hyper cynical but yeah but the fact that like hyper cynicism doesn't it, it, it leaves people really unable, I think, to adapt properly. It's a it's a maladaptive response yeah. to, in my mind. Yeah. Because you just shut down the possibility space, and it's like, well, yeah. It, since everything sucks, like, why fuck, Why should I fucking right. care?
1: Yeah, I mean, we're just gonna kind of go with the title of our conditioning. If, if yeah. there's no yes, if, if, if we're not inspired yes to be to be better, of course you can go. Too far in the other direction, and I've done this. And this Bo- is a both ends. End. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I some people people have given me crap for you know both ending too much, and, and I I, 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 like d- I understand that critique as well. But <laughs> I, I've gone too far in the direction. Did you just both end the critique of both ends? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's meta, meta both ends. <laughs>
0: All right, we should just stop there.
1: <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. just kidding. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, I've gone... So, you know, as a Baha'i, the last few years of Baha'i and post-Baha'i, before I... And even into when I started meditating again, I, I, had, I developed this hyperactive guilt complex where mm. I had this vision of I, I needed to be pure and mm. good and purified. And I, it, you know, and I became neurotic. Yeah. You know, and it totally fucked me up, shut me down. Um, and... uh and I had to also get through that, right? And so now it's it, it is, it is a middle path, of you know of giving a shit, and you know, thinking okay, things can be better, things can develop, things can evolve, um, we can be better, but also hey, we're we're all fallible, and you know we have to forgive each other and forgive ourselves, and not mm, not constantly. Yeah, and so it's like, and I think mindfulness helps with this, where it's like if you're mindful. You know, you know, if if you're thinking from an analytical lens only, then it's like, oh, that wasn't good enough. I'm a bad person. You yeah. have to be better. But if you're not mindful, you you really don't have the tools to to change. You're just going to keep right. making the same mistake over and over again. Yes. But if you're mindful, you're like, okay, where did that come from? Why did I act that way? You know, notice actual the dynamics of of how that arose.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. So let me let me interact with with my mind body system in a different way. Yeah. And slowly perhaps you know evolve but yeah you know again yeah. this self-flagellation or you know is also a trap right
0: yeah, yeah yeah and and you know and there can be like narcissistic loops where just constantly yeah. thinking about myself and yes. wonder how do I prove this and uh, yes. blah, 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 blah. exactly and it's just like okay calm yeah. down yes yes <laughs> like, <laughs> like maybe right. just go water the plant right <laughs> <laughs> Right, right, right. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, to me that's as a as a meditation teacher, a Dharma teacher, I, I feel like increasingly the heart and and you know, the heart mind and the gut mind. Yeah. Like these are things that are I don't want to say neglected, because some people don't neglect them. Mm-hmm. But the mindfulness movement in general has yet to really, I think, fully incorporate that. Like, it's no mm-hmm. accident that we serve with mindfulness yeah. in this oh, yeah. culture, yeah. you know, <laughs> because yeah. that's it's not, it's not as threatening, yeah. um, because we are such a kind of conceptual and analytical yeah. culture. Yeah. But, you know, the, the ability, like you're saying, to forgive ourselves, like that to me is a heart capacity, you know. It's like a capacity to, like, see, okay, I fucked mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. To understand that, to know it, mm. and, and then just like understand maybe some of the causes. Yeah. But ultimately, like understanding is not enough. Yeah, You know, it's like I've got to also feel um, like, oh, yeah, compassion for myself or mm. forgiveness or remorse, yeah. you know, and be able to kind of like move on yeah. in an actually different direction.
1: right. Like you, you want to, if you, that's the thing is if you actually feel it, you, you feel the, the shame or the guilt or yeah. something else, it, you're actually training your, your body mind system to seek something else naturally mm, yeah. instead of, you know, instead of dictating it from a disembodied mind. Um, yeah. And that's, that's the thing, you know, I think, you know, even going a little bit meta here, like this whole process of like you know where how mindfulness has developed in the west and the united states and you know perhaps some of the ways it can be improved you know the dharma community like i, I also see this as part of an evolutionary process right Yeah, like, sure. like a lot of people have have been developing you know like just skills of sensory clarity and concentration and equanimity but maybe they've done it in a, in a bubble or an isolation or, you know, and, and, and so, yes. but then other people, you know, like people have been developing along many different lines. Yes. And yes. part of what I see is mimetic mediation is starting to bring all of these together into a more integrated system. Yes. Right. And mm-hmm. so it's like, y- yes, a lot of these skills are, will continue to be valuable, but now we have to, we have to incorporate our social ecological context. You know, we have to, we have to incorporate of our analytical capacities we have yes. to and yes and it's a again it's a it's a process. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But I but I think I think with this kind of quote sense making movement, I you know I think sense making might be the the largest umbrella term for metamodernism mm-hmm. integral. You know, it, it's so so broad that it almost means nothing, but it's still mm-hmm. a useful term I think. I like it. I like yeah. the term. Uh, and you know because sensing is not you know, it's not it's not rational making, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's sensing. So sensing yeah. is like the mind is a is a sense. You know, in in kind yes, of in, in the Buddhist, Buddhist terms. In, in Buddhist yeah. terms, um, the and six, so the sixth sense. The sixth the sixth sense. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, and and so you know, this this I, I see this at least online again. Mm-hmm. This movement towards. Integrating many of these divergent parts, um, and so and this is but but we still have a long way to go. Like we're starting, to, I see it starting to integrate on an intellectual level. Yeah. But that what we have to do. But you know now there's people who have been, you know, uh, working away in kind of say permacultural communities that you know perhaps some of them are doing contemplative practice, some of them aren't. You know, a lot of them might have you know, and, and so it's, and so now all of these worlds need to start. You know, feeding each other information and wisdom, and yeah. working together, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And and it's just at least for me, that all like for me, as far as I'm aware, there's always new things that I'll become aware of. But as far as I'm aware, this is the probably the first time in my life that I'm starting to integrate all compartments of myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, just in the last, uh, really, just in the last six months since I've been here. Nice. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. It's a very sounds
0: like a very fru- fruitional period potentially yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. still
1: it's, it's still like we're not we're not even planting. it's like it's like we're not even planting seeds yet we're, we're buying seeds <laughs> that yeah. type of thing yeah
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. But that I mean, <laughs> but it sounds like that is kind of in some yeah. ways a fruition of mm. of the years prior prior yeah. to this
1: it really feels that way yeah. for me it feels a fruition of all of the different you know I've had so many different stages and compartments of my life that I've emphasized at certain times yeah. and, and and so it feels like it's bringing all this together and so I, I can't help you know, maybe because of that I'm biased, but I can't help but then project that out into the larger, mm-hmm. you know, social ecological landscape and be like, I see that happening there too. Or at least if yeah. it's not happening to the grid I want, then I'm going to try and help catalyze it, you know? Yeah. To happen. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, for, you know, this is just a kind of qualitative data point, but um, I've noticed in starting to talk about the whole vision of a Buddhist geek's farm, which has a lot of similar elements, you know, mm-hmm. to what you're describing, that, like, the response has been tremendous. Like, yeah. it's been, it's been it's kind of shocked me a little bit. Yeah. Uh, how many people already want to come and, like, live on this non-existent farm? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And want to come and, like, help right. build it? And I'm like, uh-huh. okay, well, that's great. Yeah. And, it, and yeah. to me, it speaks to a deeper, like, there is, per, I think, a potentially deeper... Mm, I am not sure what to call it. Movement isn't the right word, but like I, the people are, are kind of, some of us are sensing the, the, the necessity of moving in this direction. And yeah. this is where I, like, I don't think of development as this sort of arc upwards. Yeah. Like it feels like very a much spiral. a spiraling process because mm-hmm. I remember, you know, last year I started to, to, to grow, you know, for the first time in my grandparents garden mm-hmm. and my grandfather, uh, Said so this hilarious thing. It was classic, him. You mm-hmm. see, he was like, you know, with total pride here. He's yeah. like, you know, you remind me of me when I was six or seven. <laughs> I started, yeah. I started laughing i'm like oh yeah, yeah. pops why is that um, and he's like that's when i started my first garden
1: right you know and i'm yeah. like oh
0: well i'm 36 uh-huh. like you so yep. like that makes a lot of sense yep. there, there we <laughs> i go. feel like that
1: exactly that's i feel like that as well yeah
0: and it feels interesting uh-huh. it's really interesting to like mm-hmm. be coming back around to this to the wisdom yeah. of like you know like in my life this person who's been doing this for 80 years yeah. and who is frankly mm-hmm. thrilled that i have showing any interest yeah. at all yeah. in this stuff yeah. And it feels like a much like a return a reclaiming yeah. a reclamation yeah. of some of something even though yeah. I'm not like trying to go back yeah you know to his life right um it's it, like i but yeah. there's something that feels like it needs to come forward from his life yeah you know that That's it's like I'm so grateful he's you know still yeah. alive to yeah. to learn some of that stuff
1: right and it's really fortunate that you 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 know you you moved in this direction while you still had time to learn from him. Yeah, it's right? true, and, that, and that's um, that's, and that's unusual. Yeah. yeah, but
0: there are elders like yeah. um, just down the road. I will have to introduce you to Joe and Deborah. They they've yeah. got a the beautiful farm out there, and yeah, uh, bee, mm. they're like beekeepers, and nice. yeah. you know, like there's some great elders out in these woods that yeah. like you know,
1: yeah, they know and, a lot of stuff. And it's interesting. I mean, to quickly relate this to you know, at least the United States context, you know, there's a lot of discussion about. How rural areas have become kind of abandoned or mm-hmm. you know, left behind, isolated, right. and right. of course the opium crisis and deaths of despair and, and, and you know yes. things Meth of that nature. And and it, and it seems to me that you know this the, one of the beautiful things about the you know kind of bioregional regeneration movement it, it, it's it's is that it's it's connect it, it's a, in a way it's a form of memetic mediation it's, it's connecting you know many of us who have Gone as far as we can in in in, in a more kind of modernist frame, yes. like me, yes. realizing its severe limitations, yes. and connecting back to, you know, traditional values. You know, and of course, one of the things that we're not incorporating are the the xenophobic yes. components of that, right? Hopefully it not. wasn't, it, yeah, it wasn't all all perfect. You know, there was a lot of that, and that's putting it lightly, right? right. Uh, but, you know, it, it's it, in a way, it's connecting, you know, kind of like the original kind of 60s back to land hippies with, you know, more conservative traditional people who are who also really resonate, at least for what I've seen, with kind of like, and, you know, and this also relates to like the meaning crisis and, and refinding meaning in, in culture is like, regener- it's not just regenerating the landscape, it's regenerating culture and, and uh, you know, and, and, and really like kind that. of in holistic ways but uh, like you said it's, we're not going back but we're bringing what was really valuable and true there and we're bringing it forward yes right and we're rediscovering it and we're bringing it forward yes uh, and to me like that's that's one of the biggest divisions in our society is that kind of like the urban rural you know people yes. talk about progressive liberal but i think there's another axis there and that's urban rural mm-hmm. right Mm-hmm. You talk um, about
0: the, the progressive and conservative. Yeah, so if you, you size, know, one way is to think yeah. of
1: like you know, one axis is progressive and conservative, yeah. and but yes. I think another one is absolutely. And, and of course, there's correlations with rural being more conservative, but but it, that that's a very low resolution yeah. lens, right? Like yeah. there's yeah, um, uh, and and so I you know, and so bridging this divide, I think, it, it is is much more powerful than 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 I think people a lot of people have, have considered.
0: I'm with you on that. I mean, I, 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 I think, you know, and these kind of experiments that we're conducting, they can really yeah. only happen in areas where there is land and yeah. it is affordable. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so it automatically yeah. pushes it into the yeah. into the rural right. spaces. Right, and so it takes, yeah. us,
1: takes us out into the woods. I mean, obviously a very clear difference is that we're highly networked, right? Yes. Like, um, and so we're still, you know, so we're not, we're not intellectually or culturally isolated, yes. but we're still hopefully culturally coherent you know organizing around the landscape yeah. right and around around the cultural traditions that you know that again you, you know the parts of those traditions that that aren't xenophobic racist you know Sexist, you know, and and, and, and you know, of course, you know, there, there's a lot of nuance that can go into those statements, right?
0: Yeah, that um, was our first conversation yeah, that about a, that, right? And, right, and
1: so you know, that's that's a whole conversation of, uh, let's not go down that rabbit hole right now. Part two, <laughs> That'll part, take part us two. way too fast. Yeah, part <laughs> part two, um, not necessarily sexist, right? Like, like yeah, even though you know, tra- traditional family structures, that does not necessarily mean uh, oppressive, not at all. So I just want to state that, you know, uh, but. Yeah, um, and just in terms of just our, our our physical substrate, you know, our ecology is becoming so degraded that its ability to support the generation of culture and human livelihoods and flourishing, like it's 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 not just it's not just like powerful, but it's, I feel like it's also necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've, this gets into a whole other discussion about techno utopianism and you know a lot of, i think a lot of people have the view it's like oh, okay well technology will just solve it and okay so maybe you know maybe we'll have you know geoengineering and you know take some of the carbon from the atmosphere and it'll slow down global warming but that's not the only environmental collapse ecological collapse is not a quick technological fix that's something that evolves and grows over time
0: yeah, you know, and it seems like I was talking to Vinay Gupta recently mm. and okay. he was very mm-hmm. critical. I told him I suggested he reach out to you about oh, wow. to understand modernism better. Okay. Okay, um, interesting. Yeah. And, you know, he was saying, you know, from his perspective, like a lot of the sort of crisis meta crisis is like engineering problems yeah. and not social problems and that we're confusing and conflating the mm. two. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. But to me, I, I, I guess I'm a true Wilburian in the sense that I, yeah. I see these two as two dimensions of the same emerging yeah. whole. Yeah. And mm-hmm. like the whole notion that techno I used to be a techno utopian yeah. uh, thinker. And and yeah. the whole notion that you can always solve every problem with from an engineering perspective, like yeah. misses the fact that like. Then you're but you automatically will obviously create new problems. Yeah. every engineering fix creates new new problems. yeah and like what is it that's evolving on a cultural level or on a social level like yeah. what what are we wanting to actually become yeah. or what or what do we need yeah. to become yeah uh, like that gets missed when it's all about the tech yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, I mean so I, I see this playing out in my classroom, right so i'm I'm teaching a principal's course in sustainable development, and there's more you know, there's people from sustainable technology and and people who you know who, who are are much more, kind of I would say not anti technology, but you know much more skeptical. And yes. to me, it, I mean the way I frame it, I think is useful. Is it's not anti technology by any means, but it's learning. You know, it's 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 using technology appropriately mm. within the social ecological context, right? And so it's it has, it has to emerge from again this word embodied or, you know, a rooted place that's actually appropriate to for organizing around landscapes is appropriate to the bioregion um, and you know if it's coming from a disembodied detached analytical top down place right i think you have a lot more unintended consequences yeah because it's 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 having effects on on our social life that as we've seen in the last number of decades has you know, has led us to the hedonic treadmill and to overconsumption and to, you know, uh, despair and meaninglessness and everything yeah. else. And I yeah. think that's a sign of technology not, not being, you know, not emerging out of, out of a place yeah. and being used appropriately. Yeah. Um, but not to say that, you know, uh, if people come up with great technological solutions to capture carbon or to, you know, you know, sustainable tech, sustainable energy. I'm all for that stuff. Yeah, right. That that's great. But it's yeah. just it's it's only one part of a larger yeah larger picture. Yeah,
0: like I don't see how we can realize any of this these visions without some of those elements. Yeah, and that yeah, seems sure. like in a lot of ways what the hippies yeah. kind of lacked. <laughs> right. But yeah, at the same time, like you're saying, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not enough. You yeah, know? I don't think it's enough. It's not enough for me.
1: Yeah. One thing that uh, we recently interviewed Joe Brewer on our podcast, and one thing mm-hmm. he mentioned as a really useful top-down technology is just the earth observatory systems mm. right and being able to to observe a, a, a much larger scales you know what how are all of these things connecting together right and you know with satellites you know you can observe you know you can you can observe not not all components of biodiversity but you know there's a lot of elements of ecological health that you can observe through these observatory systems and and to link it all to, to keep the big picture in mind right and that's a very you know, literally a top-down technology, mm. but it's a very useful uh, technology. And you know, very he used the word um, cybernetic with these kind of ground-up, you know, uh, more smaller scale regenerative efforts. And so that you know, so that's just that's just one example of a you know a, a technology that can be appropriate a top-down technology even that can mm. be appropriately used um, to to aid in mm-hmm. the direction we need to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, Cool. Well, I'm starting to run out of steam and yeah. wondering if there's anything else that you're kind of wanting to say or communicate to the Buddhist geeks. Did it um, give you a chance to do that?
1: Yeah. Um, wow. That's. Uh, let's see. Um, well, I just want to say that, you know, I feel, you know, Partially identified with the Buddhist geeks culture, and I think that you know, um, you know, the culture that you that you created around this has been a big influence on me. Um, and I've also seen, you know, its evolution, and I've seen your evolution, and uh, as well as you know, you described it as well. Um, and I guess I don't know. Uh, I guess my my only takeaway would be that um, if you're, you know, if if you want to connect, uh, reach out to me. Um, uh, um, I would be happy, you know. I, I, one of the things I love about digital technology is making connections, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, having video chats with people. Um, and so, I, you know, if you're if you resonate with these ideas, you know, connect with Vince and connect with me, and, and let's let's have the let's further these conversations.
0: Um, yeah, that sounds great. And I want to encourage people to check out your podcast, both yeah. and um, yeah. uh-huh. which is a great title. Yeah, <laughs> And, um, and I, I think you all are doing a great job with it. So Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Keep up the good work. Thank you very much.
1: Yeah, this is, this is great.
0: <laughs> After nearly a year in private beta, the Buddhist Geeks Network is now open for any independent practitioners who want to engage in interdependent practice.